0: If only to be a reasonable
1: man. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonableist Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as usual, Eric Kareen. Eric, uh, man, that that game sucked on Monday night. It was not a a fun or sexy or attractive game in any way.
0: But at least we stayed up until... uh past 1 a.m. to uh, see it through
1: three in my case I was looking at that Milos Teodosic three that Dwayne Casey I think unfairly hung on Jonas Valanciunas man Zapruder filming uh, a a meaningless December game I need help Eric uh,
0: the season is long and full of terrors
1: it sure is Uh, it is Tuesday as we record this you have some Tuesday musings. Before we came on the air, you had a very, uh, I don't know if it's profound or if it's just sarcastic. I, I don't know how to describe a lot of your philosophical, uh, quips. Do you want to share your Tuesday musings with the people who maybe didn't see it on Twitter? I feel like we need uh, that, I feel like we need that perspective off the top. Is that what we need? I think
0: we need less of that, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, I tweeted for, reasons that I'll keep to myself, mostly meaningless reasons, that, uh, you know, the key to happiness is to just expect nothing out of anybody, in particular yourself.
1: Or, through a basketball lens, uh, maybe don't expect the Toronto Raptors to go on a 12-game winning streak just because they have a stretch against sub-500 teams. Uh, Things don't always work that way.
0: We remember the 11-game winning streak in 2016, so it was... It someone, was on the table.
1: Someone asked me about that winning streak because I had re- written in my pregame notes about um, that. You know, it had the Raptors won on Monday. It would have been just their fourth seven-game winning streak ever. And I kind of looked back at some of the earlier winning streaks. There was a big one where Vince Carter just went absolutely bonkers in his second NBA season. There was the huge one without Vince to make a late playoff push the one year. Good that it was, times. That was a nine gamer. Yeah. And then there was the eleven game one. And someone asked me. Um, Damari Carroll was out for the ball, for that for that one, and someone asked me what the ball movement was like. Uh, I, I think the intention of the question was to show that you know when the Raptors move the ball with this core, good things happen. Uh, it was not good. They had a sub 50 percent uh, assist rate during that 11 game winning streak. They were not winning in the sexy ways in which they've been winning lately.
0: Yeah, like the 56 win team won 56 times playing a not particularly uh, desirable—desirable is the wrong word—in vogue type of basketball. They were very good at what they did.
1: Yeah, that's true. And and look, wins are fun because they're wins, but the Raptors have been winning in a more fun manner of late—that was not the case on Monday. They came into Los Angeles, winners of six straight, uh, they had— At the time of each game, they had not lost to a 500 team. They did lose to Denver, who are now below 500, Um, So the goalposts moved on that one a little bit. But they had, in general, been doing a good job of taking care of lesser competition, uh, even if it wasn't the the prettiest, like in Sacramento on Sunday. The Raptors were on the second night of a back-to-back, but the Clippers are quite bad. Blake Griffin is out. Patrick Beverley is out. Uh, Milos Teodosic returned, uh, didn't shoot the ball particularly well, other than that big dagger, and somehow had zero assists. Uh, which is very un-Milos-like. But the Raptors, you know, they they were pretty bad. It's one of the worst performances we've seen them turn in this season. Uh, They come out with a 96-91 loss, and that's after getting out to a very good start uh, with a starting five that performed pretty well together again. Eric is, you know, I I know people hate the schedule loss or trap game or any of that talk. At this point, it's just, you know, it kind of is what happens over 82 games. The Raptors have been good for five years, and we see four or five games like this every season. Uh, what was what was your take on this one? Tired legs, schedule game. What was it? Just one of those nights. What was going on here, man?
0: Yeah, well, it we can't. Gross. It was an ugly game, but we can't know exactly what caused it. And I think, you know, that's something you can only deduce after uh, 82 games, and where where you start to see the trends and patterns with the team, like. Earlier in the year, they they had those two losses—the one against Denver and the one against Washington, where you had those cliche excuses, right? Like you had the the well, we're playing at altitude now; we don't know how to play basketball. Uh, loss in Denver, and then you had well, we're home after a six-game trip. It's always the toughest game. The, the first, two, the first two, home two game two t- after a trip yeah. is
1: really the really yeah. the hardest trip.
0: I don't, I'd love to see this. I, I mean, I don't know, but I'd love to see the stats on that. I'm not looking that, that up. That sounds like a complete fallacy. Um, like a team's record average winning percentage at home, uh, compared to how they comp, they are at home after let's say a four game road trip. I would say they're probably pretty similar. That, that would be my guess.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine it's a, a significant difference unless there's, you know, I guess there's potential fatigue factor. Like the Raptors, the Washington one, they had played six games in a pretty tight stretch. Or I guess, no, it was pretty... No, tight. it wasn't. It was like yeah. 14 days or whatever. Yeah, yeah. they only well, had I mean, one they, day they gone o- home,
0: Yeah, anyway. they'd gone, they've gone over a bunch of different time zones uh, dating back to the start of training camp. But uh, anyway, I, I sort of think that that excuse is a fallacy. The back-to-back, well, I mean... It's as soft as a back to back as you're going to get, both in competition, in timing. Like they were in Los Angeles uh, at a very reasonable time after the Sacramento game, uh, and uh, yeah. So and that's not to say it's not possible. I mean, the, it's it's still playing one day after the other. The Raptors miss shots, and there there are more things to get into than that. But you know, Serge Ibaka. Not to pick on him because I thought he might have been the best raptor last night, but he missed two wide open seventeen footers that would have tied the game in the last two minutes, and those were shots he was hitting earlier. So yeah, maybe his legs are tired, or and Kyle Lowry goes, "What did he go zero for eight from three point range?" For was only the
1: third time in his career. Uh,
0: so I mean that's not going to happen much. Uh, and so whatever you want to attribute that to the Raptors still could have played a pretty crappy game and probably should have won, and they didn't, and that happens.
1: Yeah, so I think your point is that not a lot of this is particularly predictive. Um, They're not going to play like that often. They were 7 of 29 on threes, which is low even for a a bad shooting team. The
0: the Clippers were bad, too. Yes, 8 of 36. Yeah.
1: Damn, 36 three-point attempts.
0: Yeah, the Clippers that was also well.
1: shot 37% inside the big... So, this is... I, I was going somewhere with this. I, I was... Uh, I, I'm not sure how I want to seg to each one, but we'll, we'll talk about how the Clippers managed to win the game shooting 37%. Uh, they had 14 offensive rebounds. Six of those were DeAndre Jordan. Uh, in general, the Raptors rebounded their own glass uh, very poorly, and that was especially so when Jonas Valanciunas was not on the floor. So, the big... The big gripe coming out of this one is that Jonas Valanciunas, no uh, uh, no disrespect to you saying Serge Ibaka may have been the best Raptor. Jonas Valanciunas was the best Raptor in this game. He had 23 yeah. points and 15 rebounds in just 28 minutes. He shot 8 of 10. He was getting to the line. He was the only big they had that could do any sort of job on DeAndre Jordan. Uh, and Montreal Harrow also went off against uh, against the other bigs. Um, so down the stretch, it looks at first like Jonas Valanciunas is going to close and Dwayne Casey is going to use a dual point guard Line up with with the other starters. So Van Bleet, Lowry, DeRozan, uh, Ibaka, and Valanciunas, which looked like Van Bleet didn't have a great game, but I Casey likes to have the extra ball handler out there, and uh, the Clippers were playing Lou Williams and Milos Teodosic. So defensively, it's you know it's not there. There isn't a big post up threat. Taking. Yeah,
0: it's not like the only other thing I could have seen. Like, Norm was having a bad game. The only other thing I would have maybe liked to see, and this is a running theme, is what would C.J. Miles look like out there? Anyway.
1: Yeah, I feel like that every single game. <laughs> yeah. Especially on a night like this, where he was three or four on threes and five or yeah, nine overall. No,
0: and... Nobody else can hit a shot. But, you know, I digress.
1: Yeah, so then Dwayne Casey opts to take Jonas Valanciunas out of the game uh, and downsize a little bit. Moves Serge Ibaka to the five. Uh, the Raptors... So Dwayne Casey said after the game that his logic was they wanted to space the floor out on offense because they were kind of stuck in the mud on that end of the floor and they and they weren't playing particularly well. Logically, you know, it makes some sense. You do get additional spacing like that. The Raptors did get some decent looks in the closing minutes, but Jonas Valanciunas was their best player in this game. He was he also had their best offensive rating, and he was their best, you know, not that they would throw a lot of touches his way down the stretch anyway, but he was their best scorer. So, uh, you know, it's it was a, uh, a decision that I disagreed with in the moment and watching the game back this morning still disagree with. Uh, there have been times where, you know, on second watch you change your mind or understand what the coach was seeing. Uh, I didn't see it in this case. I thought Valanciunas had played too well and the Raptors had had too much difficulty on their own glass uh, to risk downsizing. Ibaka is not a particularly good rebounder for a power forward. Let alone a center against DeAndre yeah. Jordan. Jordan. Uh, Eric, did you have a, a big issue with this one? Do you understand what Casey was trying to do here? Or are you with me that this was, you know, a, a well-coached game for 44 minutes, and then not a particularly well-coached game in the in the final four?
0: I, I largely agree with you, uh, and I guess my problem with the the spacing thing is, if you want to space the floor, put on C.J. Miles. Yeah, like I, I know, he, I know he's not the defender that O.G. and Anobi is. But it's not like. But, but non-Miles goal, shooters
1: shot four of twenty-five on threes in this if game.
0: If that's your goal, then giving up. So who is who can you stick C.J. Miles on? Uh,
1: Teodosic. Dosich? Uh, who? Who? Who on the Clippers are you worried about? C.J. Miles exactly. is a passable defender, and the like. I, the Clippers. I Lou think, Williams is the only guy you're worried about.
0: Yeah, and so you put kyle on him and yeah there aren't great switch options because you're surrounded by Demar and miles but you find a way to survive because they're the clippers and i guess above all else this is the reason why i think that valentunas should have been on the floor because i think sometimes we get married to the idea uh that valentunas should or should not be playing and i'm as guilty of this as anybody uh based on who he is guarding but it has much to do with like the guys who have the ball and screen and roll. Yeah. And frankly, I don't give a crap. It's like, Teodosic hit a three late in the game. I don't care. Like, I don't, first of all, it was reason. It wasn't wow contested, but it was reasonably contested. It wasn't like a wide open shot. And I'm not convinced that shot ever was above the rim. Like, I think it might've gone through the rim and into the net. Uh, like these aren't, these aren't like creators in the paint that, you know, you're going to have Valanciunas back, backtracking six feet six feet and all of a sudden somebody has a wide-open forking foot jump shot that you cannot give that shot to. Yeah, and, uh, and the,
1: three, the three that Dwayne Casey cited after the fact, which I think was after Valanciunas came back in for a little bit, uh, was really, watching it back, I don't think it was Valanciunas' fault at all. Like, it was a Milos Teodosic action with Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan also engaging in an action – Valanciunas showed onto Teodosic to cut off the driving lane, and then Kyle Lowry looked like he was stunting back towards Teodosic, so uh, Valanciunas went back to the rolling DeAndre Jordan. Had Valanciunas not done that, DeAndre Jordan would have had an easy lob or a layup, Uh, on top of which it proved to be the right call because Teodosic then passed to DeAndre Jordan. Jordan just made a good pass back out, and Lowry was kind of caught in no man's land, so to hang that you know, if you're going to make a decision, that's one thing. And, and you know, in hindsight, it didn't work out. And maybe it, it was obvious it was the wrong decision in the moment. But I didn't like, and Dwayne Casey is normally really good for not doing this kind of thing. I didn't like that after the game, you know, he pointed to that play as a reason that they couldn't have Valanciunas on the floor. And I know he didn't have the benefit of watching tape back after. Uh, but that was, it's kind of seemed like an un-Casey-like thing to, to, to point to that as a reason Valanciunas wasn't out there.
0: Yeah, the noise that you might have heard was me going back and watching the play. I hadn't seen it a second time, um and it indeed was Larry's fault. If you're going to pin it on anybody, uh, but I you mean, don't need to. Sometimes you don't you, don't. you don't. Yeah, you don't level. need to. But that like JV's flaws have been at the center of many a defensive breakdowns. <laughs> but here, like he, he you know, showed enough and he got back to DeAndre Jordan close enough. And it doesn't matter if DeAndre Jordan takes a shot from the free throw line because that's a great result. Um, and it's just Lowry he was caught in no man's land a bit. And there are, as I'm saying, there are plenty of examples from plenty of games where Jonas Valanciunas should not be, where he hurts your defense, of, your defense actively. And uh, this wasn't one of them. And I think Ibaka got, unsurprisingly, uh, outmuscled by DeAndre Jordan a few times. And that's something that, in some cases, you're going to have to live with. Uh, but maybe not in this particular case.
1: So the question that follows then, Eric, is do the Raptors hire Jerry Stackhouse or David Fisdale tomorrow?
0: Ah, oh, it's a good question. Um, I kid, of course. Associate head coaches.
1: Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so guys,
0: doctors are playing really well. <laughs> like, uh, yeah,
1: I, I don't think many people playing, that listen they're... to us on this podcast are pro- are going to be the fire Casey after one game uh, yeah. despite two good months to start the season types. If you are, uh, you know, take a deep breath. They've it's done a pretty be... good job in general this year, especially with the new offensive stuff and getting a ton out of, out of the young guys. Uh, if there was a takeaway... Uh, another takeaway or sorry i said earlier that a lot of your description was basically that this game is not particularly predictive given the way it was played if there was one thing that may be a lasting concern it's that the all bench unit once again struggled they're yeah. now i think a minor in, in this particular iteration there are a minus 12 net rating on the season uh, fred van vliet for all his effort defensively and all the smart things he does at both ends of the floor uh, cannot really run an offense on his own right now. Teams are selling out to stop CJ Miles, and on nights like Monday, when Jakob Pertle and Pascal Siakam uh, don't have it, necess- really, uh, both of them picked up uh, really quick fouls. They each had three early in the first half, and then Purtle wound up with five in just 13 minutes. And when some Nader of them, some of
0: them were even actual fouls.
1: I thought they were all actual fouls. I thought Purtle had a you know probably his worst game yeah. of the season. It was not good. Uh, so, yeah, when these things are happening, and Norman Powell's in a, in a multi-game slump right now, too, you know, there's not really any offensive firepower there. They didn't, you know, they brought the defensive energy they normally did, but they were outscored by, I think, two points in only three minutes as a group, and Casey went away from them quickly twice. Eric, is it time to, in this scenario, the second night of a back-to-back against a bad team, I'm fine with not staggering DeRozan, and Lowry aggressively. Like, they both played 70 to 71 minutes across the back-to-back, which is enough. Uh, And you don't really need to change things. If you can't beat the Clippers playing the way you play, then, you know, it's probably not your night. In general, though, do you think it's time to start shifting away from these five-man bench groups, get a little more DeRozan in bench, get a little more Lowry in bench, uh, maybe even some Valanciunas in bench? Uh, Is is it time to, to, at least until DeLon Wright comes back, to to rest the five-man bench group?
0: I don't think so um first of all there's the track record and and yes like they haven't been very good the last few games and that warrants monitoring certainly but we've been talking all year long like even talking about the offensive shift that they're making about what's important here is it winning this very winnable game against the clippers or is it doing the proper things in order to be as best prepared as you can for the playoffs. And, you know, in what is one of their busiest stretches of the season, they have, uh, I think, five games and seven nights, six games and nine nights. Um, you don't want to overtax Lowry and DeRozan right now. It's just not like it does not the potential – Result, what you're getting from it, an extra win. I'm not trying to discount wins here, uh, but it is not worth the extra strain you're putting on your stars. Uh, could you lean more on Jonas Valanciunas? Sure, but I'm not sure that's going to help. Like, I, I think the, you know, what we were all looking for in the fourth quarter was DeMar DeRozan to come back in uh, because Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan sort of flipped spots and their usual substitution patterns at, at, at the end of the, I think it was at the end of the second half, maybe first half, one of the halves. Um, Regardless, I I don't think they've been bad enough for long enough to to really, you know, get too worked up about. You want to keep Lowry's minutes in, you know, the low 30s to mid 30s. You want DeRozan's minutes in the mid 30s at highest. And DeLon Wright will be back. And then we'll see where that is. And I just, you know... These are the sacrifices you make. Sometimes you lose a stupid game against the Clippers. Hmm. Like, like sometimes dumb things happen. It was a dumb game. They didn't deserve to win. They didn't play well. And yes, those lineups were a big, re- were a significant reason why. But you know, it, it's it's like the old baseball adage, uh, talking about ba- bullpen management. Oh. is you lose today's game to win tomorrows, and I'm, it's obviously a different sport, not—
1: It's not, a different sport?
0: Basketball and baseball are different sports, Damn. Like uh, So it's not, yeah. you know, a completely fair uh, analogy, but some of the logic holds over, I think. Uh, you know, the Raptors should be confident with where they are and where they're going to go, uh, at least to a minimal level. And they don't have to sell out for every win, and I don't think it would be responsible if they were selling out for every win.
1: My two counters to that would be, one, uh, I have to scrap my Masaisha trade for Marcelo Zuna uh, post now that baseball and basketball aren't the same thing. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. second would be that I don't—you know, if you're talking about being ready for the playoffs— you can definitely make the case that the all-bench units help limit Lowry and DeRozan's minutes, which has absolutely been the case so far. Um, you can also stagger them a little bit while keeping their minutes fairly low. You could just do it a little differently. Um, but in any case, if you're talking about preparing for the playoffs, you know, I, I could actually see that being an argument against yeah, all-bench yeah, yeah. units uh, because you're not going to use them in the playoffs. And if you are, I'm going to have a meltdown. If there are minutes where one of Lowry and DeRozan aren't on the floor— in a playoff game. So, um, you know, obviously this early, you can figure lots of things out. You can work your way through it. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important to see over a longer sample, which of these young players is going to hold up to increased scouting and attention from other teams. Uh, there are definitely reasons for it. And I'm not entirely against, uh, using the all bench unit moving forward, especially when right's back. Uh, I do think it'll hit a point in the season though, where the value of that will shift toward, uh, sh- well, it will be outweighed by the value in seeing which Lowry and bench unit works best, or which DeRozan and bench unit works yeah. best, and which four guys they're gonna want to play in the playoffs. Because right now, the the data that we have to go off of, other than knowing that Lowry and any four guys, uh, including the two of us, will have a positive net rating, um, you know, there's not a there's not a ton of info there. So obviously um, that's I, a longer term late season yeah. consideration, but.
0: I don't think the, like, like I'm saying, like we're, we're kind of disagreeing here, but I don't think our two points of view are mutually exclusive. Right. Like yeah, yes, you need to get as many reps as possible with as many different lineups so you know who you can lean on and who you cannot lean on and, and which units make sense and which don't. But first of all, you know, it's not like Lowry and DeRozan aren't playing with four bench guys. They are just doing it for a bit less often. Uh, and so maybe you want to mix up who those guys are a bit more. I mean, I'm not, I, I haven't delved through all the numbers there to see which unexplored lineups, uh, need to be further explored other than CJ miles with everybody. But, um, like, I, I think there's time for this and, you know, in a busy stretch, it's far more important to preserve, uh, your, your key players' energy and legs and all that stuff and know that there is time to experiment uh, as the season goes on.
1: But, Eric, the Celtics and Cavaliers have had long winning streaks, and the Celtics lost on Monday, and the Raptors could have made up a game.
0: Come on. They could have. They could have. Opportunity lost.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's not... Again, so there aren't a ton of prescriptive things from this game. Just one of those games. Uh, the one thing I do want to ask you about is you have seen both of us play now for relatively the same number of minutes. Who shoots less, me or Lorenzo Brown?
0: <laughs> um, man, it's close.
1: Uh,
0: take some shots, though. Well, what's
1: really funny is that he has this enormous usage rate in the G League because they need every bucket he can get down there.
0: Yes. Um, That's a good question. Anyway, it wasn't a serious question. No, I know, but now I'm actually interested in it. (laughs) Um, You probably shoot more for your collective teams than he shoots for the Raptors.
1: It's close, though. Yeah. We'll see in the media game that's never actually going to happen.
0: Shout out to uh, all the people who will not make it happen.
1: Yeah. Uh, so one positive to take away from this one, maybe uh, depending on how positive you want to be about a game like that, uh, the starters were good as a five-man unit once again. They've now played 194 minutes on the season. They have a ludicrous 118.3 offensive rating and a not very good 105.1 defensive rating. Uh, that is a plus 13.2 net rating. For a lineup that's played 200 minutes, uh, that's quite good. I don't have—I forgot to bring it up in front of me, but I believe among uh, five-man units considered to be high-usage units on the season, they're, uh, that's a top-ten group uh, for lineups that are used like, like pretty regularly, close to the 200-minute mark. Uh, that is—that's good. They were a minus 11.3 with Norman Powell in the starting lineup. Um, obviously, Ananobi has had a better season than Powell so far. Uh, And Powell is kind of going through it with the bench unit right now, too. Uh, But the starters, as currently constructed, have been pretty good. Obviously, you'd like to see the defense uh, get a little better. The offensive rebounding rate is probably unsustainable at 27%. uh, But at the same time, opponents are shooting an unsustainable three-point percentage in third quarters against the Raptors starters, too. So. Um, you know, are you are you at a point now where you are pretty comfortable with this being the starting five going forward? I know it's something we've bandied about a lot, who should be in that spot and whether they should change it. Um, are you more confident now in that group after seeing it uh, against some bad teams?
0: I mean, that's the thing with this whole run of play. Like, it is all bad teams that they're doing this against, and that's the nature of the regular season and playing in the Eastern Conference. And so I'm playing in both conferences, I guess. There's like a lot of bad teams around, and sometimes you play a bunch of them in a row. Uh, when you say they're scoring 118 points per 100 and allowing 105 uh, per 100, I know which number I have more faith in (laughs) remaining stable. Um, uh, if, you know, they can, if they can defend slightly below average, then that's great. I just don't think they can do that against you know, playoff teams.
1: Yeah. You take OG uh, out of it, the four man unit of Lowry, DeRozan, Valanciunas, and Ibaka, which is obviously where the, the trouble lies in any five man group. Uh, they are a plus five now in 352 minutes as a foursome, but a 108.9 defensive rating, um, all of the benefit they're bringing is coming at the offensive end. And again, yeah. the, the offensive rebound rate, um, with OG in that five, some is probably not going to stay, uh, all that high.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't go switch, switching it now. Uh, it's fine. But, uh, again, the regular season should be for experimenting to a certain degree. And I think there are other looks that they w- might want to try and they might want to get Valentinus used to coming off the bench once or twice or five times even just to know how he might fit in in, in such a series. Now you could do that now. You could do it later. Uh, usually these things don't happen until quote-unquote adversity hits. Uh, the starters are playing well. That's good.
1: Yeah, it's better than them not playing well, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's my take.
1: Yeah, that's a good take. A strong, strong take, Eric. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: okay, do you have anything else coming out of that game, or do you want to turn our focus uh, forward a little bit here?
0: Uh, no, I'm good for that game. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think, uh, I think if none of us ever talked uh, about that ge-
0: 28 minutes spent on that game seems like enough.
1: Yeah. On top of which, I, uh, you know, the game was so ugly that I had originally planned to do some sort of uh, video piece or uh, hard analysis out of that game for today's slot at the Athletic. Uh, I did not. I pulled ahead a piece I was planning to write for Friday because I just didn't want to write about uh, any more about that Raptors Clippers game.
0: Yeah, it was uh, not one as our colleague Doug Smith says that they will be sending to Springfield.
1: There you go. Uh, Okay, so from here, the Raptors will visit Phoenix on Wednesday. It is the end of this four-game trip. It is the end of uh, – this is the last four-game trip they'll have all season. Uh, On top of which, after December 27th, they'll only be on the road against a Western Conference team uh, once all year uh, in 2018. It's against Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I take it you know that because you're going there because you love the Mall of America?
0: I have never been to Minnesota, and I will not be going on that trip.
1: Man, Minnesota was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I don't have anything against it. I, I don't really want to, you know, if, if I'm picking and choosing games to go to this season, uh, Minnesota in January, it's maybe not at the top of my list, but hell, I'm going to Milwaukee in January. So what the hell do I know? I have no cohesive policy, apparently. you going
1: on the Chicago-Milwaukee-Brooklyn trip?
0: Sure am. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Those are That's some good cities in there. I, don't, I didn't love Milwaukee, but Chicago and New York
0: are yeah. incredible. There's not... There's not much, uh, okay, we're, we're tangenting. That's not a word. We're making a tangent into beat writer minutiae here. Um, there's not much time in Chicago. You fly late game the next day, take the train out, which I am excited about. I'm taking the train from Chicago to Milwaukee. I love the train wherever, like, doesn't matter where I'm taking the train from. Um, you know, whether it's scenic or not, I love being on trains. Cool. It's the best It's the best mode of transportation.
1: I'm glad you get to do that,
0: then. Uh, I've heard it's not very pretty, but that's okay. It's, all right. it's not
1: pretty going uh, to Chicago to Milwaukee? I, I yeah. can't believe it. Uh,
0: especially in the dead of winter, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, two off nights in uh, in New York. Uh, On a
1: weekend, no less. I,
0: I have some vague plans for that, which uh, can't divulge.
1: You're meet up with our uh, but, boy, Yammy Fritz?
0: Oh, that's something that I, I plan on doing and could divulge. Uh, that hasn't been, you know, n- we haven't connected yet on that, but I'd say that's a high likelihood. I'll shout out to uh, anyway, James
1: Herbert. yeah, good. It'll be a good show. Yeah, I'm glad to get to do that. Before Thanks. then, the Raptors are in Phoenix, so they wrap that up Wednesday. They're back home Friday and Sunday. It feels like they haven't been home very much. In to start the year. And I'm pretty sure the numbers bear that out. They uh, man, they, have, they, they have not. Yeah. I, I also I kind of dig that they don't have any home stretch longer than three games all year except one in early February they have one leading
0: four into the All-Star day. break. Yeah. And it's like four in seven days. Like, yeah. it's bam, and, bam, bam.
1: And I know that Dwayne Casey said in the past he doesn't particularly like extended home stands. Um, I think probably because of the complacency that can get in or you can, you know, once you're broken out of your routine at that point, it's a little tough to adjust. Uh, I kind of just like it for the flow of the schedule.
0: Um, I don't care. <laughs> 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 um, uh, I mean, I'll tell you what I didn't enjoy was three games in 13 days or whatever it was with them being at home. That that's, was... when,
1: that's when you write a four-piece uh, series on the bench unit right as they turn bad.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was too long with too little content. So let's scrap that from 2018-19 season schedule. All
1: right, so uh, at Phoenix Wednesday, at home for Brooklyn on Friday and Sacramento for a Sunday afternoon game, which, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon games, they're going to be Sunday afternoon games, and it's a Sacramento game, so it's, you could pencil that one in as weird already chef
0: kissing fingers emoji it yes. will be beautiful
1: yes um and then from there they have three more uh before christmas they're at charlotte and philly and then they return home to play philly uh for a late afternoon game on December five o'clock yeah i'm pumped
0: what a weird time
1: yeah i dig it <laughs> Give yeah, me all yeah. the schedule weirdness yeah
0: yeah no i i you know it, it would be better if it were 4 because i'd be even dumber but five is fine
1: yeah uh, so anyway, you're you're looking at this six-game segment heading into Christmas. Obviously, I don't want to lock you in to a prediction, uh, anything like that. And, and the game at Philadelphia on the second night of a back-to-back will surely be a difficult one. Is there, you know, we talk we talk about this at, at, toward the end of every podcast, setting up the next week or so. Do you see a scenario where the Raptors can kind of shake off this Clippers game, go five and one over this stretch, head into the holidays, uh, fat and sassy? Yes,
0: they're good. They've been playing well. They've been beating bad teams largely. They lost to the Clippers because Kyle Lowry made zero three pointers instead of two three pointers. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, and that was a bad game for them. Like, they, uh, you know, would I predict them? I'd probably predict them to go four and two just because. Yeah, it's modern. you know, it's the, like nights like Monday happen, and I would not be surprised if another one happened. Uh, and that they're just not playing as. I mean, even if the process is right, the the result won't come for them. Uh, but I, I'm not in any way – the Clippers loss does nothing to concern me about the way they're playing. Uh, the bench, as you mentioned, is the one thing, and I think there are enough reasons to keep rolling with them, uh, especially because – you know, we don't know what Delon Wright's timeline is, but he's doing some stuff.
1: Yeah, if for anyone who hasn't kept up, uh, Delon Wright is back to doing three on three activity per uh, the Unreasonableist Ryan Wolstat on this road trip. Uh, Lucas Nogueira has progressed to shooting, although, yeah, actually, you know what? A couple games ago, it looked like maybe Nogueira's injury would be uh, would have him out of a spot. When he came back, I don't know if that's the case. Given Jakob Purtle's been a little up and down uh, since everyone since that 18 point game that he had a little while back. And DeLon Wright will obviously factor in somewhere. Uh, right now, it's probably Norman Powell who looks most likely to lose his minutes. But they also just invested heavily in him, and you can't really just send him to the bench. So uh, that'll expand. That's probably the thing to look forward to. If, if Wright can make it back before Christmas, that's that's awesome. That'd be really encouraging.
0: Yeah, I think Adrian Wojnarowski had about a month at uh, November 22nd. Uh, he said... Suffered the injury on the 15th, I believe. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we're looking at right around Christmas, probably, uh, whether it's before or after. Uh, Um, if he's doing three on three, that's, that's not, not significant, you know, that, um, that is, it's not just shooting and dribbling. Like once you're, you're in competitive situations, you're probably not that far away and now they should be cautious because this is an injury that he's had uh to a different degree uh different severity but he's had it before it's an obviously a point of concern for his physical well-being and they have a perfectly fine option in his place even if uh the group as a whole is struggling but He'll be back sooner than later, I, I would say, and uh, that should alleviate some of the bench concerns, I think.
1: There you go. Eric, do you have anything else you want to, uh, I mean, we've already gone 35. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
0: Have you looked across the street uh, at your neighbor recently and seen them for the very first time? As no. if you're seeing them for the very first time? No, I have a park
1: out my window. Okay. I don't have a I don't have a neighbor I can look in on. Okay. Why? That's a weird question.
0: Uh, just, just a Riverdale reference, my, my
1: man. Oh, I see what you're <laughs> doing here. Yes. Okay, sorry. I was. Uh, you know, I still have my head in basketball. Out to lunch. I still my head in the game.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's your own fault.
1: Yeah, Riverdale is ridiculous. And yeah, I can't wait till Wednesday night. Get a 905 Raptors, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock back to back, and then wrap it up with some Riverdale
0: at the a end. Little of the chaser. I'm excited for the. I mean obviously okay, spoiler alert, um if we need to still do that, uh obviously they were gonna head back in this uh in this direction with the the core four uh all splitting up their uh their respective relationships. Uh but um oh no, I've lost my train of thought. I don't
1: know, it's probably going uh, toward Jughead and Tony Topaz, right?
0: No, it was going toward uh, Veronica, actually. Like, <laughs> I like how she's like, oh, I don't know how to love because my parents are sociopaths. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know how to love, but it has nothing to do with my parents being sociopaths.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, uh, like, I, I don't wonder think.
1: wonder where she goes relationship-wise now, because Reggie has been criminally underused throughout this show. And then Chuck kind of looms as an interesting figure as well.
0: Mm, the redemption of Chuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, i don't i don't i don't know maybe we'll, we'll just switch to uh the sopranos slash in treatment and we'll just see veronica in therapy uh talking about her issues with her parents i don't want to watch that
1: Oh, no, i kind of do <laughs> <laughs> you like to be watching someone on the couch instead of being the person on the couch uh no comment hmm. um okay anything else uh man uh I guess the, it's a little too early for a year-end kind of kind of podcast, but we should talk yeah, uh, favorite yeah, albums that, toward the end of the year.
0: I haven't listened to enough. Uh, like I've, I'm seeing all these lists coming out, and uh, nothing like super grabbed me this year. anyway, we, we can like there's a bunch of there's a few albums I liked. I think I, I can I can feel myself getting older in many ways, but particularly as it relates to music, like I find myself just Where, you know, in years past, even as like my case were narrowing, I would still seek out like three or four or five new artists. Now it's down to like one or two new artists. And I I just sort of checking back in on on the groups or the artists that I that I know I like a bit more Uh, that, that, you know, just my, my effort level, my willing to my willingness to devote. An hour or multiple hours uh, if we need to re-listen to albums, it's dwindling. And, uh, I think that's fairly typical of people at my advanced age, but it's nonetheless well, depressing. It's nonetheless depressing.
1: I feel very differently, and we are more or less the same age. When I made my, so I do a top 25 every year. Um, when I made my preliminary list of albums that I've listened to this year, there were 77 albums on it. That's how many I have to cut down to from oh. to 25. Well,
0: I look forward to seeing it and then uh, you telling me what might be up my alley and then maybe I'll have a great best of 2017 list in like July 2018.
1: There you go. Uh, That's actually, I love this time of year because not only do I make my own list, but I get to see all the other lists lists, and then usually get four or five good albums out of it. Um, You know, talking semi-regularly with Andrew Unterberger, keeps me yeah. pretty up on the the newer things he gave me a couple mid-year recommendations that are going to rank highly on my on my list um, yeah Smart man, dude. No one, someone should not be that talented writing about music identifying good music and writing about basketball that's too many can't be good at too many things
0: yeah he's a he's a good dude uh he well, back in the days of Stylus magazine, and I'm dating myself in terms of the internet, uh, but he that's where I first saw him as like a music reviewer. It was like a I don't want to say a proto pitchfork, but it was like pitchfork adjacent. Uh and he did an album review of uh The Wrens, The Meadowlands, which is probably my all time favorite album. I love the um, yeah. Um and he did an album uh, a review that so perfectly captured how I felt about it. And he was like probably my age at the time, which was like 17 or 18. And uh, anyway, good dude, good writer. Nobody else cares about this, but shout out to AU Get Off My Gold.
1: Yeah, I don't know if people don't care about it. Like it's the end of a podcast and we're it's the end of the year and we're talking about music.
0: Ooh. Well, I just don't think they care about other music writers, probably.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, Something to think about, Eric. Last year in one of our Raptors Reasonable lists uh, in text, I asked yeah. you which song best defined the Raptors 2016. You picked yeah. a terrific piano player by The Hotel Year, um, which yeah. was just off such an incredible, incredible album. Uh, keep that in mind, because I think we're doing a text reasonable list sometime soon, and I will probably ask you that question again.
0: Oh, shoot. shoot yeah. um, I'll have to go through my most listened songs and see if anything's applicable.
1: Yeah. And if you're listening and you have a song that best fits uh, the 2017 Raptors and you want to nominate it, By all means, send it my way. I have one thing to close out with here that is not Raptors-related, but it's all over my timeline, uh, and it's hilarious. Uh, I would like to share it with you, Eric. So John Gibbons, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, is at winter meetings right now. The
0: unassailable manager of the Toronto Blue Jays.
1: Yes. Uh, Do not
0: assail him.
1: So someone asked him at winter meetings, I guess, uh, why Blue Jays fans should buy tickets this season, and his response was... Come watch John Gibbons' last season, Managing the Club.
0: <laughs> John oh, Gibbons man. is a treasure who we do not appreciate enough. Yeah. Also, uh, the fact that also, managing also, in baseball
1: doesn't mean that much. Yeah, we're and also he's through. a
0: fine manager, and everybody who, like, picks him apart is wrong in most ways. Like, I don't, I don't think he's, like, a pl- – like you say, it doesn't matter that much. He doesn't screw up very, like notably very often. He's fine. Uh, and he's just hilarious. Yeah.
1: He's, yeah. That quote. Oh man. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, Eric. Uh, I'll leave you with that. We're, we're ending on a high note for a change. Has,
0: uh, hashtag, give me the best.
1: Yeah. All right, Eric. Have a, uh, have a wonderful couple of days, man. I'll see you probably Thursday or Friday.
0: Yeah. Enjoy this. Well, probably not Thursday. I'm guessing they won't practice after Phoenix, but uh, enjoy this winter wonderland. Bye.
1: All right, guys, stay safe out there. Get your winter tires on. Uh, thanks for listening,
0: and we'll talk to you next week. See
1: ya. so
0: late to be a reasonable man.